Hello and welcome to the Superhero Ethics Podcast. This is Paul Christopher Hoppy, aka Zen Madman, here with the honorable and esteemed Matthew Westfox, <laughs> my co-host and founder of this year's podcast. Matthew, say giraffe. I, giraffe. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll keep working on my mind control. Although it worked actually kind of better than I it thought did, it would. It there. Did. Um, very good. Uh, today we've got a quickie for you. Uh, we're going to talk about Iron Fist and all the interesting, stu- interesting stuff about that series. Um, and I guess that's why it's going to be kind of quick. Anyway, I, I mean, um, it was interesting know... in that how much didn't work. So, so yeah, they're... right, right. Spoiler alert! Uh, spoiler alerts. We're going to be uh, spoiling <laughs> Iron Fist. <laughs> although, uh, as we'll get into it, I'd argue that maybe Scott Buck uh, is the new Zack Snyder or the yeah, MCU's uh, answer to Zack sadly, Snyder. Sadly, Iron Fist was spoiled well before we got our hands on it. But I assume that's part of what we'll be talking about. Right. Um, but maybe it wasn't all bad. We're we're gonna uh get into stuff so um let's see Uh, i know that it's a series that i was moderately psyched for but also anticipated with a good deal of apprehension uh matthew what what were your expectations coming into the series so i had a couple um first of all because it this is the ethics podcast i think it's important to talk to just say uh at the beginning of this obviously there was a very big ethical discussion um to be had about this show in terms of race and whitewashing um, that's an issue that I care about a lot, and I know, um, Paul, you and I see a little bit differently, and I, I think we're going to talk – A little yeah, bit. And, and you and I will probably get into that issue at a different time um, because we want to keep this podcast short, and because that issue has been covered quite extensively in other places, we're probably not going to get into it for this issue, this podcast. But I will say, so I had some apprehension about that. But even looking beyond that, I like you, I – I have loved everything that Netflix has done with the Marvel shows. I think Daredevil, um, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, none of them have been perfect, but each of them have been some of the best, absolutely the best superhero stuff I've ever seen, and, and flat out just some of the best TV shows that I've seen in quite a long time. Um, so I was very yeah. excited for more of that. But there was definitely an, air, an element to which this story was probably the one I was... I, 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 I was excited about it the way... I was because I was excited for to get to the defenders, but I was definitely nervous about it because this is not the story I'm right. very excited about. Um, I'm not a martial artist, so going in that didn't sound very interesting to me. Um, even putting aside the the the, the politics of it, um, a kind of white savior story just isn't very interesting to me. Um, so I was I, I I was apprehensive to be sure, but I also was willing to say this is Netflix, this is the Marvel Netflix team up. I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think the bar was set so high by Daredevil, and then Jessica Jones matched it, and so did mm-hmm. Luke Cage. And people can argue which one is the best. They all did different things, and they all yeah. really did their own things so well. And sure, had some episodes here or there, and maybe the quality wasn't you know at a hundred the whole time, but. Uh, they really did set a really high standard. I mean, I, I wouldn't even qualify uh, the the quality of of those shows by saying anything I've seen in a long time. I mean, I, or even just television. Like, I think Daredevil and then also Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are are just some of the best live action fiction I've ever seen. You know, I, I would agree with that, especially in that and and this is language that gets a little problematic. And I'm speaking in kind of generalized terms, but I think. To the extent that there has been a quote-unquote superhero genre right. in movies and television, we're yeah. sort of expected because this is about people with superpowers, it has to have a certain kind of dialogue and a certain mm-hmm. kind of campiness and a certain kind of 
plot expectation. I feel like all three of those shows had had largely, in one form or another, you know, exceed, uh, broken out of that mold. You know, to me, those weren't even superhero shows. They were something. They were sh- three fairly distinctly different kind of genres in which the characters had superpowers, but but it really broken out of that genre in a way that I think Iron Fist did not. Yeah, and I, I actually, I kind of think Iron Fist wasn't trying to do that, which which mm-hmm. is a little weird, right? Yeah. Like, you'd think, well, those other shows all did that. Like, don't you want to kind of, you know, go toe-to-toe with them on that and just, like, follow the lead? And I, I just... At no point did I really even feel like the show was trying to do that. And that's that's actually almost a little bit of a, a defense of the show, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is, and I don't feel like it was necessarily trying to be too much more, um, which is, I guess, better than trying to... Not that it's... <laughs> hmm. Okay, so this is where we get into some results-oriented stuff that we might uh, dig deeper into in later, but uh-huh. um, but the basic gist of it, I guess what, what I want to say is, like, I think it's better to go for it than to not go for it, you know, but if Mm -hmm. you're, it's a better result to not go for it and then just kind of be what you are than to go for it and like really miss bad. Oh yeah. I mean, mean? you and I had kind of a running commentary as we were watching the show, comparing it to Arrow. Right. I think there's a lot of ways in which I, I mean, I, I often say that I, this, the, the Netflix TV shows are my absolute favorite, probably TV shows right now, but especially in terms of the superhero genre. Yeah. My second favorite are the CW shows, mm. um, which are a completely different level of quality. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're very campy. They're at times very silly. They're at times eye-rollingly bad in terms of the you know over um, you know completely predictable plots and the overacting and the overwrought dialogue. But they're a lot of fun in part because they know what they are. Right. Um, you know, and and I think my frustration. So in that regard, I ta- and I think in some ways, like to me, that's what Iron Fist felt like, and I think. My my frustration there is that it it didn't seem to fit with the rest of the de- the the stuff setting up the yeah, defenders, yeah. and that because I do agree, like I I compare those in my head with you know what what you and I have kind of set as the um you know uh the the the, the Snyder standard of right, right, superhero right, right, shows. Right, right, right. To me, Iron Fist is a lot better than what Snyder did to Batman vs Superman. I, I because, agree because yeah. you're right; it has it has lower pretensions in a way. Right. I, I wished it had tried harder. Yeah, me too. But in some ways, that's a lot better. Then yeah, what Snyder did of of trying and and failing so miserably. Yeah, like I feel like Zack Snyder was really going some for something big and deep and profound, and it's like, whew, when you miss the mark with that, you know, like mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if Luke Cage was trying to go for all of that, everything that it said about everything it said, you know, and it was dealing with heavy issues about race and about inequality and about the you know the way the justice system works or or doesn't work or does work, but doesn't work the way we think it should work. Or like Jessica Jones dealing with PTSD and, and with rape and with, you know, consent issues. And like, imagine if they just butchered those like that, that would have been brutal. You know, that would have been um, just horrendous. And uh, I I do feel like Iron Fist was just kind of like, yeah, we don't really know how to deal with the stuff that we maybe could deal with. Like, Okay, so we said we weren't going to get into this, and we're not going to get into it too deeply, right? Um, but there, you know, a lot of the trepidation around Iron Fist was because of cultural, ethnic, and racial stuff. And um, you know, we talked a little bit about that, and may get into it more in the future. And that's like a two-hour 
conversation at least, right? I, I mean, um, you and I have been having that conversation for twenty years. So, sure, yeah, sure. we can sum it up in two hours. No yeah, problem. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's you know, there's there's maybe a few books or a few people <laughs> who've devoted their lives to dealing with you know um, these sort of questions, but I I do feel like Iron Fist was kind of like yeah, we're just kind of gonna ignore all that and just sort of be like, yeah, we're just going to tell the story we're going to tell. And I think there were show creators that could have taken, you know, I saw someone saying, oh, we should, um, you know, if they just made this one small change to Iron Fist, it would have been really good. You know, like if they'd had, I think, Louis Tan, um, the guy who's mm-hmm. the drunken, um, I forget the character's name, but, you know, he was fighting like drunken style, basically, Kung Fu. Right. And, um, and so... You know, if he because he's a martial artist, like the actor is a martial artist. Um, And, you know, that's where I'd say Arrow actually um, because Iron Fist actually has a lot of parallels to Arrow. Right. Like there's a guy whose parents are billionaires. He's presumed dead. And then he comes back and he's a superhero. You know, (laughs) like it's like kind of the same story, Um, except Arrow. They decided like, okay, but we're going to make Oliver Queen Batman. And here, (laughs) you know, Danny Rand is really this kind of like innocent sort of like, you know, you you were saying and a lot of people were saying like that having an Asian American, like specifically an Asian American actor, right? Like not having an Asian actor is just like, oh, so the character is just like Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. No, like the character is Chinese American or the character is Japanese American or it's like half this or that or whatever. Um, And how there is an interesting story that could be told about how um, many Asian Americans feel like outsiders everywhere. You know, like the way Danny in New York, he doesn't really feel like a New Yorker because he's been gone for 15 years, you know, but he also doesn't really feel like a, I mean, he's not a native mm-hmm. of Kunlun, you know, so there he also feels like an outsider and how there could have been this interesting dimension that, could have been explored by, you know, having the, the central character um, be uh, Asian American. And that's aside from any of the, you know, of, of course, there's all the issues of whitewashing, all these things that you can talk about, but just in terms of like actually telling a compelling story. Right. Um, and I, I've kind of been won over to that point of view. Like, yeah, I can see mm-hmm. how that would actually be really interesting. At the same time, like, do you really trust these writers to take that premise and, like, be do that effectively? I mean, and I guess, he, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't – I think there's two – there's a couple of different things to, to be yeah. said here. One of which is – and I, it's why I didn't want to go too deep into um, the politics of, of the whitewashing because I think it, it's a little bit different than talking about the show itself. I, I acknowledge that for me at least, and, and maybe this is a statement of my privilege – there are shows that I can find very problematic and still also enjoy on other levels. Like, Doc, we, we, you and I talked before about Doctor Strange. There are some people, and right. I, I completely respect them, for whom the whitewashing of Doctor Strange makes it something they can't enjoy. I thought the whitewashing in Doctor Strange was awful and, and, and something I protest, and I, I managed to make sure I found a way to, to not give money by watching Doctor Strange for that reason. But I still also thought Doctor Strange was a very enjoyable movie. Um in this, I, don't, I, I am very annoyed and upset by the whitewashing that, that I think happened to make Iron Fist. I also think Iron Fist was a just bad TV show. To me, the, I think the, there could have been more interesting stories, but to me those two things aren't one and the same. 
Um, so yeah, I, I agree, and yeah, I mean, there's like there's basic screenwriting problems, and then there's whatever. But, but then the other thing, I, I think this is kind of what you're, I think this is kind of what you're getting at with your question is, I do also think you're right. Like, there's, I, in some ways, to me, one of the biggest problems of any of the whitewashing stuff is when white becomes default. When it, instead of the character's right. whiteness being you know important part of who he is, mm-hmm. the way it would be for anybody else. Um, and I think you're yeah. right. One of the things that I think was so frustrating about this show is that – because you know, we were just talking about how in a lot of ways it felt like a CW show, but it wasn't. It yeah. was a Netflix show. I was expecting more from yeah. it. And one of the things I expect more from it is to explore some of those issues. You know, I mean so mm-hmm. far mm-hmm. every Netflix show has given us – You know, you and I have talked about like, every Netflix show was like, OK, we could do a, a five different podcasts on this. We were kind of struggling right. to figure out what to talk about with this show because there just isn't – it doesn't really explore any of those issues in depth. And, and in some ways I think that's what we're, we're, we're talking about today is that how is that a problem? Because And, and it, to tie it back to the stuff about race, I feel like wh- whatever Danny's racial background is, whether he is white or he's Asian-American or he's Asian – there is like three different levels to which he's a fish out of water, you know, in that he, he right. didn't grow up in Kunlun, whether or not he's Asian yeah. the way most of the people in Kunlun are, that he's now come right. back to Earth after being in Kunlun for such a long time. Like there are so many mm-hmm. different levels on which to explore questions of identity. And in some ways, like yeah, if totally. they had done that, then I would have – and almost I would have been like, OK, well, you know – I, I wish the character hadn't been white, but still, at least they really wrestled with some of these other questions of identity. But instead, they kind of just didn't do yeah. any of them, you know. And and I think right. it's like it, it almost seemed like the show was very meta because what would happen in the show is someone would try to like pose some hard question to Danny, and he would respond by you know sounding like a nineteen-year-old first-year uh, Eastern religion student and just quoting some you know line of right. Buddhism, um, or yeah. what, what I you know. That kind of stereotypical, obviously not exact Buddhism. Well, I mean, he would literally quote the, the yeah, Buddha no, that, sometimes, that, but, but not only. Uh, not only and but, and yeah. I feel like the show was doing the same kind of thing. You know, the show was Danny, and that it was like there were interesting questions that the show was started starting to explore, and then it was just giving these very facile, one-dimensional answers. Yeah, and so you know, a lot of the argument for like casting uh, Finn Jones as Danny Rand was like, well, he's blonde. And, you know, he's a blonde white dude and Danny Rand has always been a blonde white dude. So like, um, but like, why, why did he have such short hair and like, and, and it was curly and it was like, kind of, it looks like it was like dark brown with like dyed blonde at the ends. Like if that was the argument, then like, why didn't he have long blonde hair? Like you could cast Noah Syndergaard. Um, no, but uh, yeah. baseball reference. Well, I, I, um, think, I think you're right. But, I think that it, it gets into, um, I mean, I, I'll admit I'm not someone who read the comic books. Uh, a ton as a kid, right, right. But I, I, right. one of, the, one of, the, for me, one of the few arguments where I'm like, okay, that, on the, on the surface, I'm like, I don't think this argument carries water just by, by just for what it is, um, is the like, you know, the need to be, um, completely authentic to the original, you know, to, to me, right, like, right. you know, there are eight million problems I have with the Superman that Zack Snyder is creating, the fact that Amy Adams playing Lois Lane isn't a brunette is completely at the bottom of that list, you know? To right, me, that's... Right, right. that's mm-hmm. it, if you get someone who captures the essence of what that character of Danny is supposed to be, I don't care what his yeah. hair looks like, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it, to me, it's just like, since that was 
a theoretically part of the argument for casting like a blonde dude like what why why wasn't he really blonde <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it was just like a little bit of like well if that's your argument which you know maybe that's not the argument and and i am very much like you know what whoever did the best audition like whoever really fit the character like you probably should have you know that's that's probably who should play the role but about identity um like danny sometimes he's a vegetarian sometimes i guess he's not like the way they just like um kind of like spat at that like for me as a you know vegetarian i was kind of like okay yeah, you know I, I, um, I thought that was there, there were there were two things from the character you know the they 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 portray him as this uh you know supposed to be a vegetarian and they also portray him as supposed to be celibate and Right, right, and they just like there's just no, there's, yeah, I, I don't think that, um, you know, um, just the moving beyond both of those, I thought was really interesting and really kind of problematic. Um, yeah, like it could have been, it could have been like it's not like he has to be and he has to remain celibate, but like if you're gonna make a point that this character took a vow of celibacy, then like when he breaks that, maybe that should actually be a thing that you kind of talk about right. a little bit, you know. Instead of just being like, well, you know, yeah, okay, let's go fight the hand, well, and, you know? And, and I think um, that's, that's the issue I had more than anything is that it, it felt like there were issues that the show raised without recognizing the significance ethically of those issues. You know, like the, yeah. the vow of celibacy, the, the vegetarianism. Like when I, I remember you, you and I have been talking yeah. for, for almost a year about the fact that it was going to be really awesome that there was a, a superhero character on television who was a, an out vegetarian, you know? Or that it was potentially awesome that that could actually be a thing right, that would happen. Exactly. I mean, Luke Cage had a vegetarian in it for yeah, fuck's sake. Exactly. Um, I mean, he was a <laughs> crooked cop, got killed early, but you know. Oh, yeah. spoiler alert! Um, spoilers for all of the Netflix Defender shows is 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 yeah, pretty appropriate. But no, and I, and I yeah. feel like that was kind of a running theme in the show is that they would. You haven't seen this, and forgive me, it's going to be a little bit of a spoiler, but I'll, I'll try to keep it as le- spo- as spoiler free as I can. There's an episode recently of Arrow, and I actually posted an article about this on the Superhero Ethics blog, where something happens in the in the world of Arrow involving guns, and so um, mm-hmm. Oliver Queen, who is mayor at this point, um, basically tries to tackle the issue of gun control in Star City politics. And it was one of the most frustrating hours of television I've ever seen because it felt like the show was really trying hard like like you like you you were saying before about how brutal it would be if if you know Jessica Jones had tried to take on the issue of sexual violence and done a terrible job of it that's kind of what right. i felt like arrow was doing um and in, in that it, it wasn't even it was just it was it was very facile one dimensional take on what is an incredibly complicated issue um and and that's sort of what I felt with with those issues with Iron Fist, you know, like with questions of his identity in terms of being a vegetarian or being celibate, um, with some of the stuff about violence that comes up and about should you murder or should you not. It it felt like mm-hmm. they were sort of like, oh look, we're taking an ethical issue here, and then they didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's I mean, I was asking if if you felt like when they talked about murder, if it felt like weird which for me it just felt really weird within the context of the show like in daredevil i felt like they were able to be make it this heavy thing where it's like you know should daredevil kill wilson fisk like is that does he want to does he like what and they really explored that and here they're like but that's murder it's like oh and well you know but uh, you know 
So I say more to... about what you're thinking in terms of Iron Fist because I didn't quite understand when you, you you texted me about that a while ago. I didn't quite understand what you were saying. Oh, basically just that like every time somebody was like, well, maybe we're going to have to kill this person, mm-hmm. you know, who's like a super villain and, you know, wants to. I guess the difference between the hand and Wilson Fisk in Daredevil season one seemed sufficient to me. That just being like, oh, but you're going to murder the leader of this group of undead ninjas who, like, are trying to, you know, just, you know, uh, get everybody hooked on heroin and whatever they're trying to do and destroy your homeland, basically. Like, it it just felt really out of place to me. Maybe partially because the rest of the show, like, didn't feel like it was really dealing with any moral or ethical questions, right. except, like, well, we should give it away at cost. Well, you well, know? But, you know, which, oh, let's not even get, I mean, I am one of yeah. the biggest, you know, anti-corporate communist, like, people, and I, the right. way they handle that whole corporate issue was so bad. It was um, brutal. Yeah, and, yeah. But I think you're, I think it's an interesting point, because, okay, you, we've done a whole podcast in the past about, villains you know are about heroes who sort of create that line for themselves of i will not kill and and i think Mm -hmm. part of the problem with danny is that as we were just talking about danny spends the entire show bending the lines that he's created for himself you know he starts out saying you know i'm 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 this vegetarian i already donkey every now and then you know i'm i'm um right um i'm going to be celibate and then breaks that line without a single thought um yeah i mean the biggest one is and, and this is, I think, one of the most frustrating that's never explored is for the entire show, we have the implication that Danny actually isn't like this upstanding moral, you know, follow the, the teachings. He's the person who's rejected all of that. He's the person who's run away from Kunlun. Um, right. But we have no idea why. Right. And we don't know what has that's that done thing. to him in terms of like it, it seems very arbitrary which are the moral teachings he's decided like to, like you're holding on to a teaching of a place you rejected entirely then mm-hmm. yeah and and then saying oh but it's my duty to defend this place that i just abandoned like like he says it in episode 1 but it's like but you you left and but we don't know why and then we maybe kind of find out why but it's not really compelling or interesting or right. clear um i mean just for like a quick kind of uh, timeline review, like, you know, Danny's plane crashes and he's adopted by monks and in uh-huh. Kunlun, right? Then he's trained by them. He's also abused yeah, by them. Pretty I mean, let's be honest, right? Um, then he takes their power and he, like, ra- raises to, rises to the, like, highest level of, like, you know, I am your champion. And he takes their power and then abandons them. So, like, you know, there's an extent to which I think Danny is not the hero of his own story. And I think that could be really interesting, particularly if you come back to like talking about like, you know, the, the, the problems with like white savior stories, like that's not what this is. This is about, this is like colonialism. (laughs) Like this is about a, a rich white kid comes to, another place and then takes their power right. and leaves and, give him and bring it back to where he's from. That's like really interesting story that they could be well, telling, and, but they're not telling and it's that interesting story. Because I was actually thinking, Even though I was actually part. thinking that the story could have gone in, in the 180 degree opposite direction, which to me would be just as interesting, but they also failed at, which is, um, and I'm, <laughs> for, the, for this metaphor, I'm actually going to talk about a, a, a video game I've been playing recently. And, and yes, I'm many years behind the ball here, but I've been playing the game um, Dragon Age. 
um, which which is a a really fun game, um, and um, it, it's different than other games I've played. It's very very story focused. Like it's not a sort of open world the way like Skyrim or something is. It's very much like here is the story you're supposed to go on. Um, and forgive me, I'm going to spoil it a little bit though. I'm only spoiling the opening, but this is like from many years ago anyway. In the game, your character gets initiated into a group called the Grey Wardens, um, who are this, like, secret cult that are supposed to be, like, you know, in secret watching for the return of this demonic force so they can stop it again. And and pretty early in the game, you see that the Grey Wardens, like, the way that they figure out who can or can't be an initiate is pretty abusive and winds up, like, flat-out killing some what I perceived as innocent people. I didn't know right. much about the game, and so I was watching it with a, with a friend of mine who had gotten me into the game, and, and I wanted to stop playing because I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like if, if the if the video right. game wants me to like heroize like this dark group, but they're doing it for the good of all, I'm like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. This is not. I don't want these heroes. And and my right, friend right. was like, you know, she was willing to spoil it because she understood where I was coming. She's like, no, you find yeah. out like this. A right. big part of what the game is about is that the Grey Wardens are really kind of fucked up and, like, not right, the heroes right, right. we think they should be. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it if that was the story, you know, that if this was all about, like... Yeah, about the Order of the White Crane Yeah, and, and Danny realizing that, like, the people of Kunlun, like, yeah, because they had, you know, hit him with sticks as a 10-year-old child to make him tougher. Like, right. that's not good. Right. <laughs> that's... Right, right, um, right. And... And, I mean, that was Colleen's story, right. though. Right. You know? And that's actually a really interesting story, but it's like we get it for like a glimpse, right. you know? It's like we're like, oh, she's part of something. Wait, she's part of the hand. Oh, she thinks the hand is good, but we know she's wrong, right? Because like they're not good. And then it's like, oh, and now she's like, oh, they're going to kill me. Now I know they're bad. It's like we it, it just it was it was handled with like you know, Iron right. Mittens basically. <laughs> I, I mean, um, how, how good a story would it have been if the actual story was both Danny and Colleen come to realize that the two groups that they were raised in are both just as problematic and both brainwashed each of them just as much. You know, I mean... That... Yeah, and maybe both of them do have some good motives and bad motives and bad right. methods, right? Like, it it could be like gray versus gray and maybe one's like a lighter shade of gray, one's a darker shade of gray, one's, you know... But it's like, no, it pretty much, I think... It ended on like, no, it's black and white, and you know? In some ways, um, I think that's the thing that maybe more than anything frustrated me the most about Iron Fist is what I've yeah. come to expect from the Netflix shows is a real level of moral grayness in the bad guys, you know? Or not, not even more, I mean, mm-hmm. like, Kilgrave is quite frankly just like... Complexity. Yeah, complexity, you know? Like, okay. um, yeah. Kilgrave is, I mean, clearly one of the most evil characters I've ever seen on television or on any screen. I mean, like, right. Iago levels. Um but even there, yeah. like they give you, a, a, they let you see inside his perspective, to, that yeah. you understand that he is the hero in his story. And and further, he's not not a right. victim, you know, like he he's a victim of his parents, and they turned him into a monster, Absolutely. you know, and and he he is very much a monster, but he's also a monster who you can understand like what's going right. on. And all of these, and that's power. Things help you to realize, like, wait, I can't just decide, like. Captain America is good and I can be simple. like Bucky I mean in, in the in the other you know the 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 movie level like you get something where it's like Bucky we can be sympathetic to um right. Hydra pure evil um and yeah, that's exactly. kind of what I like 
I don't have any reason to be sympathetic to anybody in the hand. You know, I just don't know anything about them or what they care about or why. Yeah. And to me, that's a real failing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think that was fine in Daredevil season one, you know, and in Daredevil season two, it started to kind of the the second half, you know, the the post Punisher part of, you know, the first four episodes of season two, I thought were amazing. Um, And then then they're like, okay, now we're going to, you know, be doing this arc about the hand, which clearly was a setup for the defenders and then Iron Fist sort of. But but like they didn't really. Like, we didn't really know what they were doing, except they wanted power. And I feel like it's a little bit of, like, the Lost mm-hmm. syndrome, you know, where, like, on, on the TV show Lost, I guess spoilers <laughs> for Lost, um, <laughs> like, which, I mean, speaking of which, had one of the worst endings of any TV series yeah. ever, which we'll get back to Scott Buck in a minute. Um, but they just, like, it. there was always another mystery, and we never really found out what people were after and like it kind of worked on lost at least it worked for a while um i mean i got sick of it sooner or later but the it kind of works because you do see behind one layer and the main characters were so compelling you know they told the main character stories so well that it's like you kind of didn't really need to know what the big mystery was but if you don't have central characters that are super compelling then like not really knowing what the villains are after it's just it's it's that that's a you know knowing what the villains are after and being able to relate to them is another opportunity for a, a show to be compelling right first i mean on some level like decent entertainment that isn't like amazing but it's decent is a lot about misdirection you know it's a lot about like right look yeah we're going to have a bit like Independence Day is to me a very fun movie, you know, because the huge spectacle of, you know, the alien invasion and the White House blowing up and the ridiculous comedy by Will Smith. Like that distracts me from the fact that the plot is actually like ridiculously stupid, um, you know. Right. And and we don't know anything about yeah. the aliens. And, right? and it's like but it's like, yeah. you know, I don't care. I I, I am entertained enough that I can enjoy myself and be distracted. And that's sort of like with Arrow or with The Flash, that's what it is, you know? It's like, yeah, these shows Mm -hmm. are kind of silly, but they're entertaining. Iron Fist, I wanted it to be much more than entertaining, but then it also just failed to be entertaining, you know? And so it's like it failed on – there wasn't any of those things that would distract you, and so all you would do is sit there thinking like these characters don't make sense. This, you know, motivation doesn't make sense, and – Granted, this isn't an ethical issue, but it's just a continuity issue. Why in the world aren't they calling Matt Murdock for help fighting the hand? Oh, my God. <laughs> Claire, call Matt. So, so I, I, I guess I can a little bit... Ju- you know he wants to fight the hand. <laughs> this isn't as much an ethics issue, but, it, but it, it, it's related to general critique of these things. I love the idea of the extended universes. But I... I think that is an yeah, ethics I mean, issue. Yeah, I it's an ethics I, in terms of, you know, relatability, maybe. But, like... There's an extent – to me, that's the other biggest failing. All right. I've now had eight or eight or nine. This was the biggest failing of Iron Fist. One more failing of Iron Fist is you had this show that's supposed to be one more part of an extended universe. At, at some point, mm-hmm. like, the you can't just sort of hold the damn – like, the idea of saying, well, they're all going to get together in this other TV show called The Defenders. We right. don't want them to get together yet. There gets to a point where that passes credulity. And and that happens, yeah. you know, when Claire Temple is helping them fight 
the hand, and she's talking constantly about how I know other people who can help fight the hand. There's no reason why she doesn't give Matt Murdock a call and say, hey, can you come and help? You know? Yeah. So three things. I think the show's biggest failing was poor screenwriting. Full stop. Um, Two, I totally agree about the problems of, like, um, of trying to put off uh, the team up, right? But I'll say that I actually... I'm not going to give the writers of Iron Fist a full buy on that, but on this issue, I think that has much more to do with the upper decision makers, you know, the upper level executive kind of like, well, this is how we planned it. You know, no, you can't have Charlie Cox for your series, you know, Um, and but you need to do the hands and you need to get them to this point, you know. Um, So I think that that is likely actually kind of gives a little bit of a like. All right, I, I can't blame the actual writers and the showrunner of Iron Fist so much for that as much as I blame the mm-hmm. format, right? Um, but then third, I, I do think that actually not calling Daredevil is like within the context of the show, it's it's an ethical issue. It's like, well, you have someone who you know wants to fight these people and you're with a couple of people who might get themselves killed fighting these people and three on a thousand <laughs> is better odds than two on a thousand, you know? So, I, I mean, I do think there is some like, well, uh, you know, should not like, would it make sense for her to call him? Of course it would make sense for her to call him, but like, should right. she, you know, I, I do think there is actually a question there. And like, maybe they could have come up with some reason that she decided she shouldn't like uh, Ant-Man. I think did that yeah. brilliantly. Ant-Man was right after age of Ultron, which, you know, I think we agree suffered from the weight of, the MCU kind of pulling at both ends, right? Trying to tie in things from the past and set up all of the movies in the future. Um, Whereas Ant-Man was just like, okay, we need to do this story that feels significant and important, but also doesn't feel like, well, why aren't they just calling the Avengers? It's like, oh, because the dad of one of the Avengers tried to steal this guy's super suit. Like, okay, that makes sense. And that's the thing. I understand there are, you know, it, it may be that they are just not wanting to have Charlie Cox in this because they want to wait for the Defenders. Maybe that Charlie Cox doesn't want to do it. You know, he want, he's like, I've signed up for the Defenders. I don't want to do something else. I mean, there's eight million reasons why right. in the outside world. But, but it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the question of, you know, if you're not going to answer a question in the show, don't have your character ask it. Like, there would have been ways right, to have Claire right. Temple be involved in that show. And like you said, to just drop a reference to, you know, I, I wish I could call my friend Matt, but he is still so broken over, you know, fighting this guy Nobu, he can't do anything. You know, or just not have right, to right. talk about Matt so much. I mean, like, there, there would have yeah. been ways to not set it up in such a way that you're thinking, it's so obvious what you do right now. You know, or like you said, that right, there was right. a situation where Hogarth was really wanting to find some information. Gosh, do we know any private investigators who the attorney Hogarth owes her a favor? Like, you know, <laughs> right, they, right, they exactly. just set up ways um, that would have been so such easy connections with, um, with the rest of the world that, you know, it, it's like, just don't do that then, you know? Yeah, yeah. It seems a little weird that Joy had hired Jessica Jones, like in the past, but that Hogarth didn't hire Jessica Jones for the Danny Rand right. case, you know, like that. I found that odd, you know, I was like, well, why did, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think to kind of sum it up, like 
I, I don't think Iron Fist was a terrible series. I just think it was like kind of kind of the way Batman. I don't think Batman versus Superman was actually a terrible movie. I think it was a pretty mediocre movie, like mediocre to bad that had a lot of problems and really missed a lot of opportunities. And um, I think that Iron Fist missed tons of opportunities um, on, you know, the things we've discussed and probably other ones um, and didn't give us enough other good stuff to kind of like overlook yeah. that. And I mean, I didn't even watch it in a weekend, you know, I don't, I think it took me over 10 days, which like, you know, okay, 13 episodes of TV in 10 days, that's not that slow, but like Luke Cage, I watched twice before oh, yeah. Monday, you know, <laughs> like I, from Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I watched 26 episodes of TV, like Daredevil, I almost always watched several episodes and rewatched those episodes and then watched the rest. Like, um, within the first 24 hours, I think I'd seen the first four episodes of season two and then the whole series, you know, the whole season again. And, and it just, Iron Fist just, it didn't, it didn't draw me to, to it didn't push me to so, finish so it. So I think there's two things there. One is I, I actually, I, I still think that by whatever standard of bad we're talking about, Batman vs Superman is still worse, <laughs> but 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 I do think that um and and my hatred of all things Snyder is completely rational and not at all a vendetta. Right. I have no idea what you're talking about, um, <laughs> but but I do think that actually there's a very good comparison there, which is that you're right. Maybe on some level, like Batman vs Superman isn't. It's not that it's a bad movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, although I will say, um, my friend Ryan, I, I want to give a quick shout out. My friend Ryan Powell, he's part of a um. Uh, a podcast called Four Color Nerds, and they have like a one of their streams of podcasts is called Cut the Cord, and they do reviews of TV shows. They do re- they did a review yeah. of Iron Fist, where one of them pointed out that the um, repeated scenes of the plane crash, uh, you know, oh, that was that was that was that was so well, yeah, and, and the the point that he made was that was the Martha's Pearls of this show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it was what like I mean. that's so yeah, brilliant. Totally. That's such a perfect. Yeah, great I want to give a quick shout out. Great podcast. Check it out. Um, but yeah, I think like you know, it, it, with both, it's not that it's a terrible TV show. It's probably about the same quality as some of the. You know, I certainly say it's better than Legends of Tomorrow, and it's about on on par with some of the yeah. like pretty good but not great Arrow. Um, this season yeah. of Arrow, I think, is better, for example. But but it's that like yeah. Batman yeah. vs Superman. It's not even that I had such good expectations. It's like. You know, here's here's a different analogy. If I go out to a restaurant on an average Thursday night, um, and the cook's having a bad day, or I order something that's not great, yeah. Is that a what? thing, by the way? Like I, cooks I having guess. bad I, days. I, <laughs> like I was just off my game. I put too much I mean, cayenne I, there in. There are so restaurants that. that I go to pretty frequently where you know once in a blue moon something yeah. will taste off, and I'm just yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just okay. guessing what in the world could ha- could be happening to cause it. But the point being, like, if I go to a restaurant on a regular Thursday and it's not a great meal, I might say, okay, that's not a restaurant I want to go back to or I'm disappointed that day, but it's not a big deal. If there's a restaurant that I've been waiting right. six months to get a reservation to and and oh, it's my yeah, birthday yeah. and I'm super excited and I've been wanting this restaurant to be great for years and that particular night, it's a terrible night, I'm going to be much more disappointed, even if objectively it wasn't a worse meal than the other one. That's that's definitely how I felt about right. Batman vs Superman, and I think that's kind of how I felt about this, because the defenders had raised the right. bar so much. Um, 
the three other yeah the, I, I, the I three series that really because we haven't had the defenders yet um but that's yeah. what ties them together yeah you know they sure. they raised that bar so high and i was so looking forward to it even though in this particular case i, w- I was apprehensive i still wanted it to be so much better and i just felt like it missed the bar um because and that was the other thing is i had the same experience you did every other one of these shows i binged the heck out of the first daredevil came out um, I think I just watched the first 10 episodes and went to sleep at like five in the morning. Um, you know, Jessica Jones mm-hmm. kind of similar. Um, uh, and Luke Cage as well. Luke Cage, I, I took a t- couple of days, but Iron Fist by the end, I was like, all right, I do a podcast on superhero stuff. I talk to people about superhero stuff all the time and I want to know what's going to happen for the defenders. I need to finish Iron Fist, but it was a slog. Right. You know? right it right. was, a. yeah, it was just, it, it, yeah. it wasn't a, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see more of this. It was, all right, let's get to the end. Um, and that's probably the, the worst endeavor right. I can give of it. Yeah, I mean, and in fairness, I'd say that there were episodes where I felt like, yep. okay, this is a little better. You know, I think it started off horrible. I think episode one yep. was really, really bad. Um, episode two, I think, had some interesting stuff, but it was frustrating. I felt like they were just trying to redo episode two of yep. season one of Daredevil, which was brilliant and maybe my favorite episode of television of all time. Um and then there were points in the season where I felt like, okay, they're getting something going. And then like, wait, why are you removing that character? It's like, eh, he'll probably come back from the dead. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> he probably did. But like, right. <laughs> and, you know, it, but it was just like there were there were up higher points. You know, some of the fight scenes were, were good. None of them were like Daredevil season one, episode two, hallway scene fight scene level, you know. Um and and I guess that's that's one of the things. Like as a martial artist, you know, um, it that was a little yeah. disappointing to me that I didn't feel like. I I, I mean I, I'll say this about in terms of the identity issue, I've heard from a couple of like I'm not a martial artist, but I I can still see that the fight scenes weren't that great, and a couple of people have pointed out you know one of the right. biggest problems is Finn Jones started studying martial arts like three weeks before they started shooting, you know. What, whatever right, race, it's insane. It's insane. And honestly, like, given that, I mean, that like, that's, that's impressive, impressive. But also, like, maybe before you do, you know, putting aside all the racial identity, maybe, you know, get an actor who does martial arts already. Like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, that that's a, the argument for Louis Tan. Like, you know, some people will focus on the racial aspects, but, like, right. he's a real martial artist, you know. Like, if you want this character, or, or like, okay, like, you've like, had like Scarlett Johansson, Daredevil. like, you know, for the role of Black Widow. I mean, she's been studying martial arts for years now, you know? Uh, yeah, and I mean, they use a lot of stunt right. doubles also for, I mean, and here's 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 where it's just like, maybe it would be better if it were more like Arrow. Like, Stephen Amell is an yeah. amazing athlete, the guy who plays Oliver Queen. I mean, amazing, right? Um, and, I mean, he might not, I don't know actually what is, if he has any uh-huh. actual martial arts background, but, like, he does um, uh, parkour, um, right. like really sick stuff, you know, he, that's him doing the salmon ladder, you know, the like pull-ups where they jump with the bar basically. Um, and having an actor who could, who could really bring that level of physicality to a role that has that much physicality, you know, they, they kept like showing him do this or that. And, and I mean, I've read articles about like, oh, how silly it is like seeing a white guy try to pretend to be a martial arts master. And it's like, Okay, I, I find that a deeply offensive statement um, and on a lot of levels. But it's like having somebody who doesn't have any actual kung fu training trying to pretend right. to be a kung fu master. Like, 
you know, get someone like Jet Li. Like, it, they don't have to be, you know, I mean, he's a little old. But, like, it's, to, to me, it's, you know, set aside the whole issue of race or ethnicity. It's just somebody who, ha- who has those physical abilities, those skills that do take years or decades to develop. Um, you know, that's one reason that they cast the Spider-Man they cast is because he can actually do a lot right. of sick acrobatic stuff. And... Spider-Man has to do that. And so, you know, yeah, they use stunt doubles for a lot of things, right? But you need to be able to not always be doing using a stunt double. And you need to not be like, we see the stunt double doing whatever they're doing. And then they cut to the right. actor well, and we're like, Because eh, in a lot of ways, you know. and, and yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of other issues we can get into about um, sort of what is the cultural stuff. And I, I, I do agree with you where I think there's a lot of ways in which the character is very much sort of a white person embodying Asian ideas, and I find that really problematic. I don't necessarily see the martial arts as like I, you're, you know, you are a black belt and a um, uh, a martial arts instructor, you know. And so I think that there's obviously like to, to me, if it's just the martial art, it's it's the white person quoting Buddhist sayings in the way that they are. That, that's the uh, um, again right, much right. deeper issue, but but it's not just the martial arts. No, but, no, but, no. but here's well, the thing: is like. Well, yeah, like you don't have any problem with Daredevil, who's a martial but, but, artist. Here, but, but with, with, with Finn, and in some ways, even if you could have all the stunt doubles, I didn't believe him when he talked about martial arts, you know? And I don't know if that's just bad right. acting or if that's if, – if an actor who really understood martial arts in a different way would have been different there. But like, you know, the scene – to me, one of, one of the scenes that stands out the most for me in terms of being problematic on a number of levels was where he basically like takes over Colleen's dojo – and is telling the students to have more, oh, you know, um, you know, reverence for their sensei. Who a he's showing right, no right, respect right. for her whatsoever. I mean, it's man. Right. Second, take it's, off. It's mansplaining one on one, but it's also, it's just like I just I didn't believe him right. when he was talking about the way you're supposed to handle yeah. like respect in a in a dojo. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's writing um, more than acting. I, I think the acting thing is more about physicality. Um, I feel a little bit like after watching The Phantom Menace, where I was like, oh, no, not The Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones was the one where I was like, I don't know whether or not I think Hayden Christensen's right. a, a good actor or a bad actor. Because this material like makes Natalie Portman seem awful. And I know she's amazing. I, I guess and maybe so, my there is. And maybe you know, this is far too hopeful. But that... In, in in my mind, in some regard, an actor who themselves knew more about you know the working of a, a dojo or dojang or what or, or what have you can, can say you know when, yeah, this, yeah. this this line feels wrong. Can we redo it? You know, um, at the end, it's probably still the writer. Right. And you're right. I don't yeah. it, who we blame doesn't matter. The point is, it just didn't work. Um, I actually think it does matter, <laughs> and I want to get into that. I, I I agree with you though. Like in in the in the short term, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. Um, but in terms of long-term prospects, um, let's talk about Scott Buck. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got your Zack Snyder thing, okay. right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, just to ensure that I'll never get a job in Hollywood, I'll go on a rant about Scott Buck. Um he originally he started off writing sitcoms. I didn't look up all the episodes he's written. I I don't doubt that he's written good stuff, right? I I, I think it's hard to get to the point where he's gotten without writing any good stuff. Um, so this is actually less about his writing and more about his show running. 
he was a he was a, I think he was a writer on Dexter, and then he became the showrunner for the sixth, seventh, and eighth seasons. Now, Dexter, I think, is one of the best shows ever created. I agree with that. And the first couple seasons are amazing, and there's amazing stuff really throughout. I think every season has some really great stuff. Um, and the sixth, seventh, and eighth seasons, um, they've got uh, what's her name, Yvonne Strayovsky from uh, who's on Chuck. She's yep. Sarah on Chuck, and I think she's amazing on Dexter. And I think that whole storyline's really interesting, and there's a lot of good stuff there, right? But uh, not only did the overall kind of average level of quality decline from season one through season eight, and I think part of that's just like. TV shows, like, I don't think they should go too long, usually. I think more than five seasons is usually a mistake. Um, but the last two episodes of Dexter I are the two episodes of television that I think I hate the most in all the world. Yep. <laughs> and I, I, I've I've read, close to you with that. Right? And, and I've read articles, uh, interviews with him, where he defends the choices they made in those episodes. And I guess I'll avoid Dexter spoilers, except to say that, like, don't watch the last couple episodes. (laughs) They're that bad. Um, But it, and I mean, I have a friend who's like a good friend. Who's like, I really kind of want to watch Dexter, but I've heard you talk about the last two episodes (laughs) and I'm like afraid or like, I don't want to because of that, you know? Um, And the, the, the thing is, it's just like, that's show running. You know, making a decision where to end with end your characters, and um, and so when when I heard he was doing Iron Fist, because the the showrunner uh, Melissa Rosenbaum, I think, um, uh, of the showrunner of Jessica Jones also came from um, Dexter, but I think she was she was involved with Dexter earlier on, and I don't think she was there at the fateful end, and she certainly wasn't a showrunner then, uh, but so. Th- Scott Buck, who's the showrunner for Iron Fist, when I heard that, I was like, (laughs) they were like Dexter alum. I was like, okay, which would, oh, he was a showrunner in the end. That's not good. That's not good. (laughs) Uh, And I was like really concerned. I was like, I was actually concerned that something worse was going to happen. Like what the actual outcome of Iron Fist was, was like, I think they made like a mediocre TV series that had a few good things. Like I liked Colleen. Mm -hmm. I think Madame Gao is awesome. I'd like to actually know more about her. Um, I thought Davos was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, until like, then it was just like, okay, now we must become enemies. Wait, well, like, can, okay. Um, so there are things that I thought were good about the show, but what I was actually really afraid of was that it would be like awesome for a certain number of episodes and then just go tragically off the rails, (laughs) but it was like never on the rails enough to like disappoint me that much. Um, and so Scott Buck now got the job show running Inhumans, the, the new S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff mm-hmm. that I think is coming in the fall. I'm not sure. Um, so, like, I'm worried about that show. Maybe I won't watch it. I don't know. Um, but, like, maybe they'll get a new showrunner for, for Iron Fist. I mean, maybe. we can hope. After Defenders, we'll see what happens. Because, um, like, won't he be busy? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I, – yeah, I definitely hear your point about trying to figure out who to blame. And I think, like – as this is kind of a similar conversation you and I had about Ultron, uh, Avengers Two, right. Age of Ultron, in a lot of ways, which I I disliked a lot more than you did. Um, yes, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was a very good movie that had some issues. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, but th- the point being, I, I feel like I, we're getting to a point where it's very hard to, to sort of tell, in terms of the creative process, where does one of these properties end and the next begin? 
you know? Yes. And, and we don't always know, like, you know, Dexter was a, a complete individual thing, you know, and like, however they ended it, they didn't end it because they were thinking like certain characters had to be around for the next movie or had to be in a place for, you know, like the spinoff. Like it just it, actually, well, okay. Look, bad, bad example then. But my, my point being, but for the most part, yeah, sure. Um, but my point being, like, with each of these shows, I don't at the end of the day know, you know, yeah, is it the fault of the showrunners? Is it the fault of the writers? Is it the fault of the actors? And I feel like it's helpful to explore that, but on some level, like, I'm never going to be able to fully peel back that apple. Um, yes. That's the wrong metaphor, but yeah. Onion? Onion? Thank you, thank you. The layers, uh, yeah. Peel back the and layers. it makes you want to cry. <laughs> yes, that too. And, and so all I'm left with is being able to, like, you know, when Joss was able to say, like, you know, I had to do these things. This is what they told me to do with Ultron. Okay, but that didn't make it any better. Um, right, it doesn't make the movie itself better. The movie is still the movie. Right, and like, yeah. um, you know, I, I mean, and so yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right, I mean, especially given what I saw with Dexter, which I hated the end of it just as much as you did. Um, I, I I think I can be very critical of that person. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wonder, like, do, do the producers of... Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Daredevil watch, um, or Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Jessica Jones watch Iron Fist and go like, "Come on, man, get up to our level." Or do they? Right. Or is this what they wanted? You know, I mean, because it's setting up the Defenders. I have no idea. Um, mm. Maybe Finn Jones is a much better actor than he he appeared in this. I I have no idea. All I know is in this for this property, it didn't work. Yeah. So, I I, yeah. I will say also one last issue that. Um, it's connected to this martial arts stuff that I want to just kind of put a note on here because we're going to talk about it in a later podcast is watching this. It brought up a lot of questions for me about what does it mean to have an honorable fight, you know, mm. um, because I thought that I, there, there's that one major episode where he goes through this like formal challenge. Um, right. And I remember being very frustrated by it because I, I felt like there was some to me that that would have been one of the most interesting issues of like, did Kun Lun teach him that he has to fight honorably? And so he's still holding that, but he's still rejecting that. Um, I was frustrated the show didn't talk about that, so I'm really excited that you and I are going to, for a later podcast, um, delve a lot deeper into that issue. Um, yeah. Bouncing off of Iron Fist, but also of Batman and some other things. So, to our listeners, definitely keep your ears peeled, because that, that podcast will hopefully be coming um, down down the road at a later date. Uh, yeah, let's let's do that podcast. Cool. <laughs> um, cool. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. This has been uh, uh, great talking about it. I hope I uh, would love to hear what your thoughts are. Did you love Iron Fist? Is there a, a part of the show that we've missed that um, maybe there was a secret? I don't mean there's a secret episode, but if there is, definitely <laughs> yeah. tell us. Did we not watch the stingers <laughs> at the end of the credits? Did they explain everything? Um, but if you loved this show, if you hated the show, tell us what you thought. Um, please, you know, you can you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Superhero Ethics. Um, the other thing is I wanted to mention one of the other upcoming shows we're going to be doing pretty soon is going to be on um, uh, agencies like S.H.I.E.L.D. and Argus. We're asking the question like, okay, so if aliens show up in our world, what should the government do? And is when we look at an agency like S.H.I.E.L.D. or an agency like Argus, um, do you think those are good you – know, does S.H.I.E.L.D. do a good job of keeping the world safe from uh, aliens and other – powered threats and should you know what do you think of their methods what do you think of argus's methods you know what do you um what do you think of those characters and what 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 should they be doing let us know uh if there's questions you want us to explore send them in by twitter or by facebook um or on on our blog itself all of those are superhero ethics the blog is superheroethics.com 
And uh, uh, if you send us a question, we'll try and answer it on the air. So we would love to hear from that. Um, other than that, I'm Matthew. This has been Paul. Um, and thank you guys so much for being a part of it. We'll talk to you soon.